Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Alright, take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. We're going to look at um, chapter 32 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 32. Just a little uh, history or a little backstory, if you will, on the, on the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was a, uh, a prophet of the Lord, as you know. He prophesied uh, during, well, before and during uh, the captivity of the people of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And Jeremiah, because of all this bad news, was known as uh, the weeping prophet or a prophet of a broken heart. Uh, Jeremiah not only uh, wrote the book of Jeremiah, but also um, he was the author of Lamentations, which is the Lamentations of Jeremiah. And as you think about the uh, purpose for, or the reason for the people's uh, captivity, why they went into captivity, um, it's because of their backsliding. That's actually an interesting word because it's used more in Jeremiah than anywhere else in all the, all the scripture um, is backsliding. And that they turned their back on God and, and began to walk away from Him. And, um, and that backsliding more specifically the way that they were backsliding in their heart, was uh, the sabbatical year that God had set up for them to take one out of seven that they were, allowed, where they were supposed to allow the, uh, the, the uh, uh, fields and their land to rest in a, in a year of release. Um, but they just were not putting God first in their lives. They began to put their, their own businesses, their own farms, their own things uh, before the Lord, and so 490 years of this went by, 490 years. Let me just say this, the Lord is merciful, He's long-suffering, and so this went on for 490 years, but God took uh, all 70 years at once of the 490 years that should have been uh, given to the Lord, and so He took it in 70 years, but there was more than just that, the people had been given over to idolatry. They began to serve idols. They began to serve things. And uh, they began to put things before God. And you know, as God's people, He wants us to put Him first and before things. And by the way, when they came out of captivity, they were done with idols. God had kind of cured them of that uh, for that time. They were also ungrateful. Uh, They didn't see God's blessing. They didn't see all God's provision. Uh, they were not being thankful for what God had provided for them and how God had blessed them and led them. They also persecuted their prophets. Uh, the people that God had sent uh, to uh, help change their hearts, instead of having a change of heart, they just, as you'll see in the, the case of Jeremiah, they just beat them and throw them in prison. And they'd get rid of them thinking that you know if they could shut him up, then they didn't have to hear from the Lord. But there's another interesting and key word in the book of Jeremiah, not just backsliding, but also return. 
And that when God says, yeah, I'm going to judge, and yeah, I'm going to judge uh, my people, let me just say this. When the Lord does judge, He judges in mercy. Because with this prophecy of the captivity also was a prophecy of His mercy and grace that they would return into the land. And God's blessing would come back to them. And that they would be uh, forever His people and follow them. And He would bless them and that He would not forget about His people. Even in captivity, even during the captivity, uh, God blessed those that would seek Him. That's interesting. No matter what God's doing corporately, remember that God deals with individuals. And if we have an individual heart to seek the Lord, and fall, like in the case of Daniel, he was part of the captivity, but God blessed him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God blessed them. They were part of the captivity. Mordecai, he was part of the captivity. God blessed him. Even later after, after that, Esther, uh, God blessed her. She became the queen of Persia. And so these were people that were part of that captivity that had gone away. But this morning, I just want to, that's just a little backstory on Jeremiah, but I just want to focus in on uh, one story here in, in Jeremiah chapter 32. Uh, begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give the city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. So here you see in just these first three verses that the times are tough. Especially for Jeremiah, but for everybody. Uh, the king of Babylon has besieged the city of Jerusalem. I mean, the, the armies of, of Nebuchadnezzar have surrounded Jerusalem. And here, Jeremiah is telling the king what God says that he's going to actually take us and take the city. And, and the king thinks of Jeremiah that he's a traitor. He's saying, why are you saying these things? Uh, uh, shut up or I'll shut you up, he says. And so he throws him into prison. So in Jeremiah's case, he's getting it from both angles. Would you agree with that? I mean, he's got the enemy of Nebuchadnezzar uh, surrounding his city, but then even inside the city, uh, the people, his own people, are angry with him. Uh, they have thrown him into prison. And uh, would you agree with me that this would be some uncertainty in, 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 in the times that he lived? With an army surrounding your city outside, there's a lot of uncertainty politically, uh, economically, uh, there would be a lot of volatility. Would you agree with that? In these times where Jeremiah was at. But what's interesting here is even in these times, not a great time again in Jeremiah's life, God comes to him in verse 6 and says, uh, Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, verse 7, and Hanimiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee a field 
that is an anathoth, for the right of the redemption is thine to buy it. Now, put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes for a second. He's got a a city that has, an enemy that has besieged a city. He has his own people and the king angry with him, locked him up in prison. And then God comes to him and says, hey, uh, your uncle's going to come to you and offer to sell you a field. And, you know, if you're you're in Jeremiah's shoes, you're kind of thinking, this is not the time to be buying real estate. This is not the time to be uh, investing into uh, what's going on in our country because God's already told me we're getting, we're going to get taken captive. And not just that, my own people don't. My, my own king has locked me up. Uh, this is not a good thing going on. Verse 8. So Hanamiel, my uncle's son, came unto me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord. And he said unto me, By my field I pray thee. Now, that I can understand. When the, when the enemy is surrounding uh, your city, his uncle's saying, I've got to get rid of this property, right? I've got to sell this property, so let me see if Jeremiah will buy it from me. And so he goes in and he says, I want you to buy it. But the Bible says here that when he came at the end of the verse, he says, then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. Because God had told him that, he was, that his uncle was going to come and offer to buy the field. And so he says in verse 9, and I bought the field. That's, by the way, that's the title of this morning's message, and I bought the field. He says, and I weighed him the money, 17 shekels of silver. Now let me just say this. Uh, he's in prison still. There's an enemy besieging the city. Again, uncertainty, the volatility was very high. And let me ask you, who was in his field? Outside the city? Outside the city in the, in the, the land of Judah, and the land of Israel? That was the uh, Babylonian army was already occupying the field that he was purchasing. The, 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 the army of the Chaldeans were occupying this field, but the Lord wanted him to do it, and so he said he divvied out the money, he had it all uh, done properly, had it sealed and signed and delivered. Uh, if you read verse 11, 12, 13, verse 14, he says this, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase both which is sealed and this evidence which is open, and put them into an earthen vessel that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. You know what the Lord is telling Jeremiah to do? He's telling Jeremiah to invest into this real estate that would seem like a a terrible thing to do at the time. But God says, the reason why I'm having you do that is multiple things, but I'm going to bring the people back. And these fields will be possessed again. And this country will be uh, had again. And this will be a thriving place again. Let me just say this. God was looking long term. And He was wanting Jeremiah to invest long term. Invest in the future. But let me just say this. As Jeremiah was prophesying that the people, because of their backsliding, was going to go into captivity... 
He was also prophesying that God was going to bring them back into the land. And God was going to bless them. And so, you know what the Lord had Jeremiah do? He had Jeremiah act upon his own predictions. He had Jeremiah act upon faith, act upon what he was saying was going to happen. Because nobody in their right mind would have been buying fields at the time when the army has besieged the city, when all these things are happening. He's saying to Jeremiah, okay, you're telling the people that we're, God's going to bless and God's gonna come, we're going to come back into the land. He's saying, Jeremiah, I want you to put your money where your mouth is. Right? I want you to act upon it. Uh, God is going to deliver us and He will deliver us. And Jeremiah says, and I believe it. I really believe it. That's why I'm purchasing this field. Because I believe even though there's enemies in this field right now that are going to take us captive, one day this field will be repossessed by our children and our children's children. And God will bring us back into the land. And there will be joy in the land. And so he's not just saying it. He's acting upon it, and God is causing him to act upon his own faith. By the way, that is faith. You know, that is faith, is when we act upon it. It's, not, it, it's, it's easy to say that we believe God. It's easy to say that we follow God. It's easy to say all those things. And, and when it looks like it is the worst idea... I'm just trying to make a point here that this was the worst idea that Jeremiah... I mean, that 17 shekels of silver, I mean, that was all... That, you know, that would have done well in this commissary. You know? I mean, why? That's just, in his mind, that's just throwing money away when there's an army sitting out there and God's already told you that army's going to win. And the field is going to be theirs. I mean, you know, who cares? He did all this paperwork and signed it, had it sealed. You know what that meant to the Babylonians? Nothing. Yeah, that was nothing to them. But Jeremiah said, this is what God told me to do, so I'm going to do it in faith, showing not just the people that I'm prophesying to, that I believe God. And that, yes, he's going to allow this captivity to happen, but he has great things in store for us, great blessings in store for us, and God can do anything. Now, Jeremiah was human just like you and I, right? So he had doubts just like you and I. And you see in verse 16, after he goes through all the legal stuff to make sure that this property is his, verse 16, at the end of that verse, it says, and I prayed unto the Lord, saying, verse 17, O Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heaven and the earth by Thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for Thee. You know what Jeremiah is saying? God, You can do anything. Verse 18, he says, You're great and mighty, and and the Lord of hosts is Your name. And he goes on to say in verse 19, Great in counsel, he's talking about God, and mighty in work, and... Thine eyes are open all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing, which hath set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, even this day in Israel and among other men, and hast made thee a name at this day, and hast brought forth the people out of 
the land of Egypt. You know, Jeremiah is praying. He's saying, God, you've done so many awesome things. You've done so many mighty things. You are able to do anything. You're of great counsel. You're of all these great things. Uh, and he goes on. Look at verse, verse. Finally, he gets down to verse 25, and you see the reason for his prayer. And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money and take witnesses, for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. You see what Jeremiah is doing here? He goes, he, he deals out the money, does all the paperwork from his, presence, from his prison cell, and then he begins to pray, Oh God, you told me to do this, now you've got to make it work out. God, you told me to buy this field, and now, Lord, you have to... Have you ever been like that? Have you ever, uh, you know, signed on the dotted line, you know, done all the things, made that big decision, and then started to pray? <laughs> have you ever done that? You know, you feel like God's leading you in a certain direction, uh, you know, to, to make it, uh, make that commitment, to make it, you know, you know once you signed your name... You know, whether it be marriage, whether it be having children, you know, whether it be uh, a career choice, whether it be some sort of purchase, and it's all, you're committed to it, you know, your name is stuck to it, and then you start saying, uh-oh, what have I done, right? Oh no, what have I done? I thought God, I, God, I thought you told me to do this. And Jeremiah, you can almost feel it in this prayer. He says, Lord, you told me to do this. But now how in the world is this going to work out? Right? Uh, Lord, you know, we probably sometimes get it backwards. We probably should have done all the praying before. But, but, but here, here Jeremiah is like we are so many times where we sign on that dotted line. We do those sort of things. And then we begin to pray and say, oh, Lord God, this looks bad. How are you going to help me? Right? Have you ever had those sort of prayers? I don't know how this is going to work out. God, how are you going to help me? This looks like a bad situation. Lord, uh, you know, you, you, you want to know what? You want to know what is going on? For Jeremiah, God caused it to get real personal. You know what we want to do in our Christian life? We want God to help us, but we never want to put any, we don't, we don't want to take any risk. Don't just tell it. We're human. We don't want any pain involved in following God. We don't want to be painful. I mean, if there's pain involved, if there's, if there's my name connected to it, forget, forget it. That's where I'm out. But God said, no, Jeremiah, you sign your name. And now you know what it was? It was personal to Jeremiah. Jeremiah had been preaching to the nation. This is what you're going to do. This is what's going to happen. But now Jeremiah says, okay, when the Chaldeans come in, my farm's getting taken. And here I am in prison, and I'm not getting any help from my people, and I'm not going to get any help from them. <laughs> I'm, Jeremiah is sitting there thinking, uh-oh, now it's personal. Uh, this is going to, how is this going to end? Have you, ever, have you ever been in a situation? I don't know, maybe it's just me. I get myself in situations. And sometimes I, I look down, down the road and I thought, okay, this is how it's going to end for me. I see it now, clear as day. This is where I made the bad choice, and this is how I'm going to go down here. This is how it's going to end. And I think that's how Jeremiah thought. Like, what in the world am I doing giving out this money in prison while the enemy's out there? And he begins to pray to God and say, God, oh no, what have I done? How are you going to deliver me? It's become personal. But you know what? Even though this was now affecting his liberty, this was affecting his personal finances, 
He was just wanting to make sure that it was God that was directing him. God, are you sure about this? Are you sure you wanted me to do this? But God had already given him a promise. And by the way, God has given us promises. When God called Jeremiah, he gave him some promises. Hold your finger there in in 32 and go back to the call of Jeremiah of chapter 1. Jeremiah was called as a very young man uh, to serve the Lord and to preach for the Lord and to speak for the Lord. And and here is his call in Jeremiah chapter 1 in verse 4. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go in all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And look at this verse. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to what? Deliver thee, saith the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Did God, when He called Jeremiah, say that He was going to deliver him? He did, didn't He? But here's Jeremiah sitting in a prison cell with the enemy surrounding the outside and the king angry with him on the inside. And here he is, but he has a promise that God was going to deliver him. And it's becoming very personal. Let me just say this. God didn't promise that he was going to make him comfortable. Sometimes we confuse that. I believe that God will deliver us as his people. I believe that. We have hope. But he didn't promise to make us comfortable. God's not trying to all of his children to make us comfy down here. He did say he would comfort us. There's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between being comfortable and receiving comfort. God said he'd comfort us. You say, how will he comfort us? Well, he'll comfort us, the Bible says, through these words. You say, how how does he comfort us through these words? He told us in Thessalonians of those that died in Christ. He says, you don't have to sorrow as others sorrow. He says, they have the hope of the resurrection. And then he says, because of the resurrection, because of the hope of the resurrection, uh, comfort one another with these words. Do you know how else the Lord comforts us? He comforts us through the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and then us. The comforter. So as, as God's people, He will comfort us. He'll comfort us through these words. He'll comfort us through the Holy Spirit of God. So many times, you know what we try to do? We try to get our comfort from the wrong things. You know those 17 shackles of silver couldn't bring comfort to Jeremiah. Although he may have thought they could. They couldn't. That field couldn't bring comfort to Jeremiah. Do you know what ultimately brought comfort to Jeremiah? We're going to see it here in chapter 33 and 32. The words of the Lord. The words of the Lord is what we need. The word of the Lord is what we need. The Holy Spirit inside of us is what ultimately gives us comfort. The Spirit that indwells us. Just like we read there that He took that... He took those parchments and sealed it and put it in an earthen vessel and hid it. God has put His Spirit in this earthen vessel. 
For those of you that have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He says He's put His Spirit inside of us. Uh, the Spirit that seals us, awaiting that redemption of the purchased possession, that earnest of our inheritance, the Bible says, uh, getting comfort from God's Word and from God's Spirit. Now this purchase is causing Jeremiah to act upon his faith, to act upon his words. Um, Not all is lost. You know what this had to have done? When Jeremiah was investing into the fields around Jerusalem, it had to bring some courage to somebody else. That Jeremiah really believes what he's saying. That God is going to deliver them. That God is going to bring them back. That God is uh, still at work. And that God's Word will comfort. At the end of Jeremiah's prayer, look what the Lord says to Jeremiah in verse 26. At the end of his prayer, he says this, Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Let me ask that question. Is there anything too hard for God? No. Let me ask it again. Is there anything too hard for God? No. That's right. There isn't. But sometimes we have to hear that from the Lord and have to speak that even to ourselves that God is able to deliver and will deliver even when things look tough, even when things look hard. So the Lord begins to bring comfort to Jeremiah. Look at verse um, 37. This is what he's saying. The Lord, the word, remember, it's the word of the Lord that brings comfort. Verse 37. The Lord says to Jeremiah, Behold, I will gather them out of all countries whither I have driven them in my anger and my fury and my great wrath. And I will bring them again into this place and cause them to dwell safely. You know what the Lord's saying? Uh, yeah, they, my people, maybe they backslidden from me, but I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to receive them back. You know what? You know, can I say this this morning? You may be away from the Lord in your heart and in your mind, but you know what the Lord, He wants you to come back. And He is so merciful and so kind, and He wants to bless. That's what He does. He wants to bless us. He wants to lead us. He wants to fellowship with us. He says in verse 34, And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart, one way, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and for the for their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And I will not turn away from them to do them a good, but I will put my fear in their hearts, and they shall not depart from me. Look what he says in verse 44. Men shall buy fields of money and sus- subscribe evidences and seal them and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin. You know what the Lord said? Hey, Jeremiah, you're invested for the future. One day, uh, that field, that farm that you bought, one day that's, there's going to be a high demand for it. People are going to come back into the land, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be good. And in the places about Jerusalem, what would it look like around Jerusalem when God said this? It looked bad, didn't it? It looked really bad. All the enemies were surrounding Jerusalem, but God said, no, no, no. People are going to come back. And that's going to be a beautiful place one day. And everybody's going to want to be there one day. And he says, around Jerusalem and the cities of Judah and the cities of the mountains and the cities of the valleys and the city of the south, this is all the land of Israel, and cause their captivity to return, saith the Lord. Look what he says in chapter 33 and verse 11. This is the Lord bringing comfort. 
to Jeremiah. He says, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride and the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. You know what the Lord said? Yeah, Jeremiah, it looks bad now. He says, yeah, it looks bad now, Jeremiah, but I'm asking you to act in faith to show the people that one day the joy is going to return. Joy will return. Listen, sometimes we may go through some dark times in our life. We may go through some valleys, but you know that the joy cometh in the morning. The Lord will bring that. Sometimes the enemy will get into our heart and say, you'll never be happy again. Now this is always going to be this way. You're always going to be in darkness. There's always going to be a valley. But the Lord says, no, no, no. One day there's going to be a, 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 a voice of joy and marriages are going to happen and, and, and there will be praises in God's house and people will be giving thanks to the Lord. He says, that's the future for, for this people and for my people. Look at chapter 33 and verse 1. So the Lord is still encouraging His prophet Jeremiah. He says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came again unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the Maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it. The Lord is His name. Call unto Me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and, and mighty things which thou knowest not. I want to close with this thought. He's still in jail. That's where the Lord met him. He's still in jail. And he's still surrounded by his enemies. Now his money's spent. And his field's out there occupied by the enemy. He acted in faith even when there's doubt. Jeremiah doubted. Jeremiah had to have confirmation from the Lord. He grabbed onto the hand of the Lord even in darkness. Even while Jeremiah was saying, Why? He still acted in faith. And that's what I call for us is, is, hey, the Lord is calling us to act in faith. And we may have doubts. And we may have questions why. Uh, but you can still act in faith. And you can still do it. You can still move forward and buy the field, if you will. He says, come unto me. That's what the Lord says. When Jeremiah had his doubts, when Jeremiah had his questions, you know what the answer was? Go to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Come to Him. He said, uh, come unto me, just like Jesus said. By the way, Jesus is seen in, in Jeremiah as the balm of Gilead. He's seen in Jeremiah. Christ is seen as the hope of Israel. He's seen as the potter that forms the clay and, and remakes the clay. And Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, He says, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. Call upon me, he says. Come unto me. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. You know what the Lord says? You know what the promise is for those that call upon Him? It's right there in the verse. He says, call upon me, and what's the promise? And I will answer you. 
and I will answer thee. And then he goes on to say, and I will show thee great mighty things which thou knowest not. He says, I will show you great things. I will show you things that you would not have known had you not acted in faith. Would you agree with that in your life? That there's some things that God has revealed to us, God has shown to us, because we took those steps of faith? Because we came to Him? The Bible says, He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a what? Rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That coming to God is an act of faith. It's coming to Him, even in doubt, even in... Even in the wise, it's coming to Him. Even when the outside didn't look good. And He says, in that you can know Me. I'll show you things that you would not have known. That was, that was the Apostle Paul's uh, uh, goal in life. He says, that I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection. And then he says something strange, the Apostle does. And the fellowship of His suffering. Do you know what was interesting about Jeremiah? Is Jeremiah was like Christ in the sense that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But it was in that sorrow and in those hardships that he drew close to the Lord. I read uh, Oswald Chambers said this. He says, sorrow burns up a great deal of shallowness. Isn't that true? That sometimes when we go through some hardships and we go through some sorrows that all the frilly things of life just start to not matter so much. It's kind of like, that's just shallow. Those conversations, let's talk about something real. Let's talk about something that matters. Give me something to hang my hat on. Give me something that's a rock. Give me something that's a foundation. Give me something that's real. Sometimes it takes those sorrows and sometimes it takes those hardships in our lives to draw us to the Lord. We say that we believe God. We say that our future is bright. We say that Christ is coming back. But do we act upon it? We as Christians, do we live like that? Are we buying the field, if you will? We say Christ is returning. We say that we believe that the Gospel is the only way to salvation. That it's the good news and it's been commissioned to us as God's people to tell the world. But do we act in faith? Um, Yeah, we may have doubts. But we can call upon Him in doubt. We can come to Him in trouble. We can seek Him with our whole hearts. And can I say that God is mighty to save. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's mighty to save. Uh, He, through the Gospel, the Gospel being Jesus Christ dying for our sins, being buried and rose again the third day, paying our sin debt and making it possible that we can have eternal life. Uh, That's what we're to put our faith and trust in. That's how we are to follow God in faith to the Gospel. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything too hard for God? No. 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 (laughs) You may be in prison right now in your own mind. I believe that in our culture and our society, a lot of folks are surrounded by enemies in their own mind. They may be free on the outside, but in the inside, they're in bondage. Um, Take it to the Lord. Talk to Him about it. Go to Him. Trust in Him. You may be second-guessing some decisions that you've made in the past. Some decisions that you even felt like maybe the Lord allowed you to do. 
led you in. And now it looks like it's a terrible decision. Now it looks like it's going to work out not good. You can take him to it. You can turn to him. Let me just say this. You can get comfort from these words. You can get comfort from God's Holy Spirit. So go to him. Act in faith. Even when you're overcome with fear and it doesn't look bright, I I encourage you, whatever God's tugging at your heart, go ahead and buy that field. Go ahead and take that step of faith and say, God, I'm going to step out. I don't know how it's going to work out, but God, I want to follow you. I want my heart to be with you. I want you to know that I trust you and believe you. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.